For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled, Four Aspects of the Word of God. Mr. Williams. <clears throat> a little bit of sniffles today and a little, little allergies acting up for something, I guess. Four aspects of the Word of God. Four aspects that I want to look at are more of an outline that help us to uh, concretize and understand, perhaps, or even lead to further additional studies. This would be as a place to start. The four aspects of the Word of God that I want to look at today are power, the more defining characteristics, our reaction, and the uses of the Word of God. And in the beginning, John 1, verses 1 through 4, actually verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we see a unity there of completeness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his, glo his glory, the glory as of one of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here we see that the word that was at the beginning, that was with God and was God, became flesh. The word became flesh, the personification of all the characteristics of the word. And that was Jesus. To begin with the power of the word, I start in Hebrews 1, verse 3. And this goes to creative power. This power to create. Right at the very beginning, the power of the word in the beginning was the word Hebrews 1, verse 3, who being the brightness of all his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, upholding all things, the rotation of the planets, the revolution of the planets, the solar systems, the weather patterns, the earthquakes, all the laws of physics, chemistry, And upholding all these things by the word of his power. And when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the first one is the power to create. We have a limited power to create as men and women. In cooking, as in building structures. And the next one is to heal. You use the example in Matthew 8, 8, where the centurion answered and said to the Lord, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. The word has the power to heal, and some men today are granted that power to heal miraculously. He was one of the of Jesus when he began 
his mission uh, to establish the church in the New Testament. And in Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Intents of the heart. Living and powerful to judge hearts. It goes into, you know, the, if, if a person is a habitual liar and he's been that way and he's a manipulator and deceiver and all of a sudden he becomes enlightened with Christianity. It's a real battle for him to get rid of that characteristic of habitually lying, deceiving, and manipulating because it's in the heart. Not a mental thing. It can be a habit that's ingrained in his character. Part of the heart. And that's part of what we'll get into this because the creation is continuing to this day as he molds us into the being that he wants us to be through the power of his spirit. Healing our sins, judging our hearts, revealing to us our shortcomings, revealing to us his view of our thoughts and intentions of our heart to mold us into the being he wants us to become. And as it says in James 1.18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. As he molds us into the creature that he wants us to become, we become a new creature. We're different. If you've ever gone back uh, say to a high school reunion after being gone for 20 years. You, some of the people that you were buddies with or friends with might say to you, you've really changed. You know? <laughs> and they look at your bald... No, they don't look at your bald head. They, they're, they're talking about the type of person that you are. The things that you used to do. Perhaps there's a big gap between you and them. And it's like how could I ever have hung around with this person before? Why were we friends? What did we have in common? Because you've changed so much. And continuing in Romans 10, verse 17, so then, come, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All of these items that we've gone through are interconnected. Creation, healing, judging, giving new birth and faith. It's like a hand in a glove. It's like a chain with links. And they all come together. And rightly so, because they're all parts of what makes up the character values of Jesus, who he is and what he is and what God is. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in 2 Timothy 3.15, we take it to the next step. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Salvation. The power of salvation. They're all linked together. 
to help us obtain the goal that he has set for us and the desire that we have. Ephesians 5, 25 through verse 27, making us clean. Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Another example of the workings of the power of the word, making us clean unto salvation. Continuing in verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. In Ephesians 6:17, one additional fact or illustration of the power of the word a military application, military in a Christian sense. Take and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the word, which is the word of God. What we fight with is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So by looking at the power, we see there are many different aspects of the power of the word of God. That's only one of the aspects that I wanted to look at. The second one is characteristics of the word. Again, these go right back to the character values of God the Father and Jesus Christ. And who he is and who he was and he, who he continues to be and what he wants us to be. Second Samuel 7 verse 28. Reliability, reliability. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. They're words that you can rely on. They're backed up by power, judgment, healing, creation, faith, saving, making clean, and salvation. Second characteristic of the word is truth. John 17, 17, Jesus speaking says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And going along with truth is purity and flawlessness, accuracy, which we find that in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who put their trust in him. It's interesting, I didn't put down trust as one of those aspects there. <laughs> Things kind of pop out at you as you go through this. The word of God is pure and flawless. And it's living. It's living. Hebrews 4.12 again. Let's get back there. For the word of God is living and powerful. And so all the aspects that we're going through so far are actively involved in our lives, in the things that we do, places we go, people we see. All opportunities to apply these characteristics, to apply the power. (coughs) 
For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joints of marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's why those that are adversaries of the word find it so upsetting and intolerable because it is a two-edged sword and it makes them see exactly who and what they are and they don't have a solution to it because they are not willing to accept Jesus Christ as their sacrifice. And another characteristic of the word, of the word is that it is eternal. Forever, Psalms 119, verse 89. Forever, Lord, your voice is settled in heaven. It's untouchable by man. can't be altered by man. It stands... It stands in truth, and it's living, pure, flawless. flawless. In Matthew 24, 35, follows up with, it, with the endurance. It's finally, it, it's a kind of a restatement of eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And we have that witness before us to this day, because... While men have, over decades, tried to eliminate the Bible and Christian teaching through persecution, burning of the book, and numerous decades and efforts, it has not passed away and it will not pass away. And his word will be profitable. And what makes it profitable is the congregation, us, us humbly letting ourselves, allowing ourselves to be molded into what he wants us to be. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God won't fail. Now people get into questions as to why things are the way they, they are, and certainly the adversaries uh, like to make a big deal of that. Why would any God allow things to be in the world the way they are today? Well, it's because of that attitude. <laughs> and we're to learn from it grow from it, see our shortcomings. And we will become part of that profitable aspect of the word. The next section is our reaction to the word. How do we react to the word when we hear it? Do we train it? Do we retain it? Do we allow it to dwell us, dwell in us? We activate it, utilize it. You know, pressures of the world can cause us to fall off into the ditch or to neglect the word. It's easy to do, especially in today's day and age, all the things that are thrown at us. Reaction to the word. A reaction to the world. I, I, word, Isaiah 1, verse 10. Hearing. It's one of our reactions is to hear the word. Isaiah 1.10 
Hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Hearing the word of God, a willingness to hear. Part of our calling, because when we hear it, it means something to us. It's not just another story that we blow off. Now, when we hear it, like the parable of the sower, it means something. And you stop and you say, wait a minute, what was that? And it pricks your heart, your mind. And I've got to check this out. Part of your calling. Continuing in Matthew 13, 23, understanding the reaction to the word is to understand the word. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. <clears throat> who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. We hear the word and we understand it. And that understanding sometimes requires some bit of study. And sometimes it's not exactly clear. And we have to get sources to help us out. Maybe the minister to help us out. Help have people explain certain things to us. That's another hearing and then understanding. And the third one is accepting it. Because you can hear it. You can understand what's being said and you can to totally reject it. As an atheist would. They understand who Jesus is. They understand the teaching that he is a grantor of forgiveness and salvation. But they don't accept it. Mark 4.20 but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Hearing, understanding, accepting. In Psalm 119, verse 11, read, hiding it in your heart. How do you hide something in your heart? You know, to have an operation put a little device in there, you know, keep your heart pumping or something? How, how, do you, how do you hide something in your heart? Why do you hide something in your heart? Why do you hide anything? For safekeeping. So somebody else won't find it. You go back in Gideon, he's digging a hole in the ground, and he's burying food down there. So his enemies would not come over and steal his food. That's when the angel comes to him and says, oh, great man of valor or power or something like that. I remember one evangelist saying, Gideon probably stood up and said, turned around and said, who, me? Maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he said, what took you long, so long to get here? You know, depends who Gideon was. Hiding it in your heart for safekeeping. Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Part of your motivation in your life can be mental, but the other part of it is in your heart, in your soul, in your being. Luke 8, 15, retaining it. Retaining it. But the ones that fell on the ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it 
and bear fruit with patience. So continuing in Colossians 3.16, dwelling in you. That's part of retaining it. It's part of hiding it in your heart. It's part of accepting it, understanding and hearing it. All these things are so intertwined closely. The very first word in Colossians 3.16 is an operative word. Three little words, three little characters. L-E-T, let. Let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Don't impede it. Don't reject it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I really liked Reggie's songs this morning. I thought they all blended into all these characteristics. Of course, it's hard for him not to, I guess. Because when the word dwells in you richly and we incorporate it, as it says in the scripture, in all wisdom and in teaching and admonishing one another and we can learn from the psalms and from the hymns and the songs that we sing, great messages in those songs. The next section is uses for the word. Of course, in a broader sense, the entire book is the use, is the use for the word. So I'm just narrowing this down to a more general line item category. Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. <clears throat> and sure enough, it is. It sets the direction that we go. It talks in the New Testament about being in darkness, and being in light, seeing the light. That's what the word is. Light for the path through the darkness. See which way you should go. How you should do it. What you should do. can't say enough about that. I, that is a message in itself. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Rain. Rain. Ever think of the word as being rain? Verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 55. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, we had a little snow lately, a little rain lately, and do not return there because you don't see the rain or the snow go back up. You see it come down. It always comes down, but it never goes back up. Where is the big reservoir up there? Where is it? How does that happen? Of course, we know the answer to that today. Called evaporation. And do not return there, but the water, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. That's what the water does makes it, the earth bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
It's the rain that produces the fruit. And continuing in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. The rain, the light, because light is a path for us, but it's also required for plants to grow, just like water is required for plants to grow. And the word is also, in Mark 4.14, is the seed. The sower sows the word. Sows the word, the seed. He sows the seed, the seed is rain. See, the whole metaphor comes together in growth. What do you need for a plant to grow? You need seed, you need water, and you need light. All three of them. All of these things come together to help us become what it is that God wants us to be, mold us into the creature that he wants us to be through the things that we go through. Sometimes we make right decisions, wrong decisions. Sometimes we, we run through the black and dark alley and we realize, how did we get here? And we find out, well, let's get out of here, and we do that helps us to make our decisions, helps us to solve our issues and our problems. In Revelation 19.1, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to our Lord. All the things that we went through all go into accomplishing this goal, the goal that God has for us of establishing his kingdom on earth, of salvation, of glory, of honor. They all belong to God, and we will have a part in it, in the kingdom of God. And continuing in Revelation 19, 11 through 13, Now I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and righteousness he judges and makes war. All aspects of the characteristics that we went through. His eyes were a flaming of, flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember, back in the beginning, was the Word, the Word was with God, and the word was God. In Revelation 3.20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, remember some of the characteristics that we went through, some of the aspects of, of, of answering the call, responding to it, of understanding, not rejecting it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them 
It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will, will love him and manifest myself to him. And continuing in John 14, 13, Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So you think you live alone? You know, you could do a little story here about the guy that thinks he hears the shower running in the middle of the night. But he thinks he's dreaming, so he goes back to bed. Because he thinks he lives alone. Later on, long story short, he, you know, he, he goes through because it's, he was, he was uh, watching a ghost story the night before and he was dreaming about it. So all these weird things happened in his house while he was in the dream. Finally, he just runs out of the house. He's crazy because he can't stand all the crazy things that are going on in his house. But we don't live alone. He's with us. It says he sups with us. eats with us. He dines with us. He comes with us. And he makes his home in our home. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word became flesh. And his name is the Word of God. The Word of God describes who he is, his character, his value. And Jesus Christ was the personification of it. And he wants us to become a personification of it. 